I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Where are Alva and Mary Jane Renshaw and Bubba located in the sanctuary? They're in the back. Long-time members of this church. They moved away to North Carolina. They're back visiting this weekend. But Alva probably went on about 25 or 30 of our men's mission trips where we went and built churches all over Central and South America. Good to see you folks. Also, I want to welcome a first-time guest ever to even There's numbers of them, but I have one sitting with me. Everybody say, sit with me. Amen. Kim Cooper, I want you to raise your hand here on the front row. Amen. And everybody welcome Kim. Amen. Awesome. Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. So he came with purpose. He came with purpose. He was on a mission. He came to find the lost and to save them. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven. It is not the will of your Father, listen, that one of these little ones perish. I'm going to repeat what Jesus said. It's not God's will for people to perish. But that all might come to repentance through Christ Jesus our Lord. You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open to this passage. In the first installment of this series last Sunday morning, we saw how that t-ball games can become great places to build relationships, to share our faith. To invite people, hey, come sit with me at church. Dean's story, Dean Hollingsworth, his wife Tracy, their story that we shared by video last Sunday morning. Over 5,000 views this week alone. I, I just want to encourage everybody, if you didn't see that story, you need to watch it and then you need to share it with family and friends. It was powerful. Last week, we saw in the scripture text that we used for the first installment. Jesus has been requested to go up to the community, the village, up near the Mount of Olives called Bethany. It was a very important place. That's where Mary and Martha lived. That's where Lazarus lived. Lazarus had died. Jesus is all the way down on the Jordan River. He gets a message. Come quickly. Lazarus is dead. Now, that's probably about 40, 45 miles distance. And he begins his trek towards Bethany because he's been summoned there because of a death. It's a very important assignment. He had his day timer. On his day timer, I've got to get to Bethany. I've got to get there because Mary and Martha need me. And Lazarus has died. He's got his day lined out. He's got actually a couple days lined up. He's got to get to Bethany. But in the process of going about the responsibility of headed towards Bethany, he goes through Jericho. 
And while he's passing through Jericho, now people had already heard about this man from Galilee, the miracles that he performed, the healings that were taking place and, and the feeding of thousands of people. All that was accomplished, it created a buzz. And as he goes through the city of Palms, Jericho, if you go there today, we passed by there uh, with a group of 43 two weeks ago. And as we passed by, you could see all of the palms there. It's called the city of palms, and it was in that day and time. And Jesus goes through Jericho, and as he passes down one of the, 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 the streets there, it's lined with people and the press and the throng. They want to get near Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to hear Jesus. Zacchaeus was short of stature. And he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs the tree. And as Jesus passes near him, Zacchaeus being a businessman, a wealthy man, the head of all the tax collectors for the whole region. In fact, if you look this story up and read it out, Zacchaeus had such a life change. Not only did he give back part of what he had stolen and how he had, he had harmed people in his successful business, but he became a bishop of Caesarea. I'm telling you, he had a tremendous life change as he encountered Jesus walking through Jericho. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and he says, Hey, Zach, come down. I'm going to your house. We're going to have dinner. In fact, I'm going to spend the night. What I didn't bring out last week, we forget that Jesus wasn't traveling alone. He had his whole entourage. So when he says, hey, Zach, I'm coming over, it meant he was bringing quite a few people. We know he had 12 disciples, but I can prove to you from the word of God he had more than that that traveled with him. There were others that traveled that were with him the whole duration of his three-year ministry. So when he says to Zach, hey, we're coming over, I just love that about Jesus. I'm going to call some of you up this week. Amen. Get dinner ready. Pastor's coming over. Amen. And I'm bringing staff with me. Amen. That's just what Jesus did. It's one of the great stories. And last week, I challenged you to take a card. Put your name on this card and your phone number. I gave one of these out yesterday, and the gentleman told me, I will be there. I will be there. He couldn't be here today, but he said, I'll be there in the next week or so. He gave me a commitment. I'm going to ask the ushers to quickly right now give everybody one more card. Just one card is all you get today. And to have one meaningful conversation at least this week until you get a commitment and somebody says, I'll come sit with you next Sunday on Palm Sunday. Ushers all over the, up. make sure we don't miss the balcony and the galleries, but everybody, one card. I want to ask, how many attempted to invite somebody this week? Raise your hand. My, very good. Wow. We had about 50% in the early service. This was about 70% invited. My challenge is there's a lot of people out there that need to be invited. Come sit with us. Amen. You look at these tarps. These tarps represent some seats that need to be filled with worshipers. Everybody in evangel, say amen. Everybody online. These tarps, we've got about six tarps on this lower floor, and I think there's about eight tarps in the balcony and galleries. They're all there for a purpose today. They dislocated me out of my seat this morning. Amen. 
but I wanted to use it as an illustration because, friends, I want to fill that row up in all three of those rows, inviting people, come sit with me. My dad and mom who sit on the second row were displaced, but this week he's had, in fact, they may be here today, but he's had a number of promises from people that would come sit with him. First time guest for today. We're serious about this. Hey, listen, a few years ago, the Jacksonville football team, the Jaguars, put tarps up in their stands to section off because people weren't showing up to their games and now they've had to remove the tarps because the stadium is filling up. I, I want to tell you, we're more serious than the Jacksonville Jaguars because we're trying to get people to Jesus. I'm serious enough to put it right down here where I sit because I want to believe that, friends, God's going to help us to reach the 800,000 people in this city that are not connected to a church. And they represent our sons, our daughters. Zach represents. I shot a little video of my grandson's name happens to be Zach. And I went out to a t-ball field yesterday morning about 8.30 a.m. Shot a little video with him, with Zach. Asking people, hey, invite Zach. Invite people around your life this week. Everyone has a name and we need to work on them. Amen? Let's go back to our text very quickly. I want to show you some things. It says that the missional statement, the mission that Jesus came to accomplish, that he was on task, he was on purpose. Uh, he, he came from heaven with an assignment, and that was to find the lost that they perish not. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are in the same boat. For God so loved the world, John chapter 3 verse 16 says, that God sent his only begotten son into the world not to bring condemnation, but Jesus came to bring everlasting life. Justin, help me out just a little bit and I'll give you $10 if you do. Amen. Hallelujah. He came to seek and save the lost. Verse 12, look at it. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep? I did a little study about sheep. Today in our economy, a sheep, a full adult sheep is worth about $300. $300. If a man has a hundred sheep, he has a substantial amount of sheep. $300,000 worth. Amen. You put that back in their economy, it was probably a business interest and it was a sizable herd and every single sheep was important, was valuable. I want to tell you, every single person on planet earth is important to the Father. Every person. And when we start valuing what Jesus values, friends, I'm telling you, something begins to happen among us. He loved the sheep as the shepherd. So much so that he would leave the 90 and 9 to conduct a personal search. He did not send out his staff. A, a shepherd of a herd that size would have had staff people, staff shepherds with him, under shepherds. He did not send them out. He personally got involved in the search for the lost sheep. 
I'm telling you, friends, we cannot throw off our personal responsibility to understand that there are people around our lives each and every day that can have a story, can have a change, can have something happen in their life uh, that when Jesus comes in, they can become transformed in Christ. And so the shepherd personally gets involved. The shepherd understood that there was a lot of uh, different things that could have happened to that one sheep. And so he knew that time was of an essence. And let the church always be reminded, friends, we're living in the last days. We're living closer and closer to the coming of Christ. Time is of an essence. Predators would stalk the sheep. In fact, some of the animals that were predators to sheep were wolves, very prevalent in Jesus' day. Hyenas, jackals, panthers, lions and bears before Christ's time. They really don't have lions and bears in that historical setting, but we know a thousand years earlier with King David, David slew a lion and a bear. One of them had taken a sheep, a lamb, and so he, he slew that bear. And so we have all kinds of predators that would come to scatter the sheep and to entice the sheep away from the herd. It's important, friends, that sheep stay close to the herd. Oh, I'm preaching. Somebody say amen. Verse 13, very quickly, he rejoices over finding the sheep. Luke puts it this way, telling the same story that Jesus gave. It says the angels in heaven rejoice over the found sheep. He also tells it this way that he, Jesus, or that the shepherd puts the, the, the sheep on his shoulders. Now, sheep are messy animals. But the shepherd gets right down to where the sheep is and lifts him up. And I'm telling you, some people just need to be encouraged. And they need to be lifted up. Uh, they need to be brought home uh, to a loving uh, uh, father that is concerned about every single sheep. Because verse 14 says, it is not the will of the father that anyone perish. Point number two, the shepherd would take all of the sheep back to the sheepfold. Every evening, if they were not grazing out in distant pastures, sometimes they would spend the night, but they would eventually make it back to the sheepfold, to the cave. And while we were in Israel a few weeks ago, I don't know if the team remembers seeing some of those caves uh, that we pointed out. They would bring and the shepherd would sleep at the opening to the cave to protect and to provide refuge. Today we celebrate Evangel Temple being a sheepfold. For 73 years we celebrate that God has allowed this church to be here as a lighthouse, as a sheepfold, as a place of refuge, a place of ministry. Today is our homecoming Sunday. And I want us to say thank the Lord for 73 years of ministry that God has given this church. A long, rich history touching many, many lives. I celebrate all of those who've been faithful down through the years, but we began with some very humble beginnings. We began in a tent in the Marietta area, right near the railroad tracks. If anyone knows where Gators Barbecue is and there in Marietta, it was right adjacent to there by the railroad tracks. Under a tent, a small group of people met uh, that wanted to have a Pentecostal uh, group of people to come together to worship. Before long, they bought some property off Macduff and moved and, and built their first block building, a small block building. And I think they'll have a picture up here in just a moment of that first building that was built over off of Macduff. 
There it is. Roughly about a 40 by 80 block building, simple building, but it was a place to get started back in about 1947. The church started in 45. I, I was, as I was looking at the picture, the Holy Spirit reminded me that these 40 by 80 block buildings, this church has built maybe 50, 60, 70 of these all across Central and South America over the years going into communities that did not have a church. And it hit me, the same building that God gave us in 47, we've been able to replicate and build for communities throughout Latin America. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But humble beginnings, and then in a few years, under the first 20 years out of that 73, we had seven pastors. Now, we weren't here, but the church had seven pastors. The seventh stayed for seven years. So the first six pastors were 13 years. So they're all about two years, very short tenure of ministry. But today I want to pay tribute for the last 53 years. Pastor Cecil Wiggins has been here as a faithful foundation stone, a faithful man of God in this community, a faithful pastor. And we honor Pastor and Sister Wiggins for 53 years. That's incredible. Hallelujah. For 53 years just being faithful, but there's been a lot of faithful people that have worked alongside that I want to quickly pay tribute to, and there could be many more. Please, if I don't call one of your loved one's names, it was just oversight, but brother and sister Earl Pettibone. James Ackerman, Jim Jensen, Troy and Betty James, Leonard Kennan, James Stokes, and his dear wife is seated back here in Virginia. Ackerman's here, and Helen Jensen was in the early service. Charles and Jane Butts, family is in this service. A.B. and Murtis Thompson, Dan and Pauline Hires, powerful prayer warriors of this church. John Cale, Wilma Cohen, C.P. Cohen, Sarah Devereaux, Doris Dressback, James Dunn, Myra Dunning, Cleo Horn, Bill Johnson, Embry Edwards, Gene Hall, John and Betty Krifka, Jerry Queenie, Lois Purvis, Earl and Dorothy Swin, Bill Pearson, and many, many more that just got in here and got planted and became faithful in the work of God. They got connected to a sheepfold. And a rippling effect took place as a pastor got here and stayed in place for so many years that you know it's like taking a stone and throwing into the water the bigger the stone and the harder you throw it the bigger the splash it makes but the bigger the rippling effect that can take place how many have ever tried to skim a rock across water I mean, there's an art to it to how to make it skip and I'm telling you, what you want to do in life is find a place and get planted and get connected and begin to bear much fruit. And families like this and pastor like this, being planted for so many years, bearing fruit is a testimony to this generation and to this city and beyond. Somebody say amen. Jesus was concerned about touching that one lost sheep, finding that one lost sheep. Friends, we gave you a powerful story last week about how Dean was influenced at a ballpark. How that seated in the stands, 
at Marietta Bulls Bay Ballpark. I was watching him coach Jordan. And I thought, what an incredible coach. The guy knows how to work with children, how to coach them to be their best. He just needs Jesus in his life. And I began to build relationship with Dean and began to call him and talk to him, love on him, honor qualities. You know, people love to be recognized. And everybody has a name. And recognize qualities and strengths and what they're doing and begin to share with him. And then one day they ask, Dean, I want you to come sit with me in church. I want you to come sit with me. And he accepted and brought his family. Dean and Tracy, I want you to come up here. Tracy didn't know anything about this. <laughs> come on, let's give him a hand. Tracy leads our women's ministry. And Dean's involved in our juvenile, leading our juvenile facility ministries. And the rippling effect, though, of me being willing to ask somebody to come sit with me took place as I touched their lives through Christ, but their life has touched many. How many juvenile facilities are we in every week? We do seven facilities on a full-time basis. All right, seven different juvenile facilities that this church is ministering that Dean helps to lead and organize and do that. And the women's ministry. It was incredible how that just watching T-ball, a T-ball ballpark became a place of evangelism, building relationships. And you were coaching Jordan and he was a C player? Yeah, he was a C player. We like to say it. We've been talking about that on the staff all week. Everybody's been, hey, C player. <laughs> the thing about it was, it was we were still in the A round of selecting players. And I said, hey, can I take a C player? And they're like, uh, we don't recommend it. There's still A players left. But it was just God's hand. You know, on the grading night, I had all these little stars around Jordan's name. And it was just God knowing that I had Jordan on my team so that Pastor Gary would be in my life and was going to do this miracle in my life. God is so good. Jordan was the youngest player on the team and had never played ball. And I remember he gets a hit and he slides into first base. Oh my goodness. Yeah, every, head first. Head first. <laughs> but he was safe. <laughs> but the ripple effect. It is. When, when I sit there and, and I look back now is, is God knew back then that he saw that I had this heart for people and I, he always had me coaching and loving on people, but little did I know then that he was going to use me in the spiritual realm, you know, to touch lives. And it was quickly after I got saved, Pastor Gary kicked me out of the nest. He had me teaching Sunday school within a year, and that's crazy. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And so then he had me out of the nest, and, and before long, I was out, you know, doing, like, prison ministry. And one of my friends back then, one of the young adults, was doing prison ministry with me. And after some time, he went and got married. And um, after he got married, he had kids. And he would come to church on, like, Sunday morning every once in a while. And uh, I just knew that I was a Sunday school teacher. And I knew that if I could just get Ryan into a Sunday school class, that the Word of God would do its work. 
And, and I remember going out in a foyer, and every time I would see him, I would go out and I would just invite him to Sunday school. I'd say, Ryan, man, why don't you come to Sunday school? And he'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I knew he was coming to church on Sunday morning, but I knew how he was living his life the other six days, and he was so far from God. And I would be in that foyer. Every time I'd see him, it wasn't every Sunday because he didn't come to church every Sunday back then. But I would go find him, and it, like God put him on my heart. You know, it was like it's, you know, it's, an, it's another soul you know, that needs to get his life right now. I'd go out in the foyer, and I'd find him. I'd like, Ryan, man, just come to church. And I finally got to a point after a couple years, I said, Ryan, if you just come to Sunday school with me one time, I'll never ask you again. And then this is his testimony. So I sat in church um, last Sunday as I watched Dean uh, talk about his experience with Pastor Gary and all these things. And then the video came to an end. I quickly realized that the end of the video was really just the beginning of a story. Those that don't know mine and Dean's story are, are directly related and directly tied together. I came to this church in 1997. I was a young kid at Baldwin High School. Uh, didn't really know Jesus, really know a whole lot of anything. Heaven's gates, hell's flames was going on. And so I, I came and that night I was just completely affected in a way that I went down and and uh, gave my life to the Lord in the best way that I knew how. And so I would love to tell you that my story was just a constant uh, movement from there in a healthy direction, but that would not be the case. Uh, I graduated high school, uh, got a job, life got real. I was no longer surrounded by a bubble of friends and circumstances that I, I could control. And what I realized is that I was around a lot, I saw a lot in my time here, but I never knew Jesus at all. I never truly got to know Him, never truly got to understand what it meant to know Him. I like to tell people I always had this kind of built-in excuse that when this happens, when this changes, that I would change. And, and so I said at that time as I was engaged to, to my wife-to-be, hey, when I get married, I'll change. And, and I got married and I didn't change. And we have our child, I'll change. And we had her and I didn't change. And this went on in my life. And uh, the truth of it is, this is probably a 10 year period, close to a decade in my life. And this is where I really got to know Dean. And so in our conversations at that time, I'm, I'm in the world, I'm not in the church. He knows what's going on in my life for the most part, maybe not in detail. And uh, I just remember thinking, man, it was just something crazy about him. It's just uh, the way that he would come. Uh, it always had an effect on me. And so me and my wife, naturally, uh, as we're trying to get back in church, trying to, to do the right thing, trying to make the right decision, uh, here would come Dean. We'd be in the church. And, and it would go from, now we're not just at church, now we're in church. And it was, man, you really need to get involved with Sunday school. You really, you really need to get plugged in with life group. And, and I would say, yeah, yeah, I know, man, but we got young kids. It's hard to get here that early, you know, every, every excuse in the book. And uh, it was the consistency uh, to come to me. It was the encouragement that I would get from our conversations. And it was the love that I felt from them in it. And so again, uh, for me, nothing happened overnight. 
I remember joking to my wife, like, man, I hope we don't see Dean today in the, in the lobby because I know he's going to ask me to come. I know he's going to want me to be a part of it. And I'm just really, that's just really not something I'm interested in. And we would see him and he would come like a beeline straight to me. And uh, he, would con he would constantly just ask me to plug in. And so probably almost three years of this, he finally wore on me, as you would say. And uh, so I began to attend Sunday school uh, here at this church. And I began to uh, change in a way that, in all honesty, I didn't even know I needed to change. Uh, I began to have a hunger for the Word, to have a hunger for uh, the presence of God. Uh, I began to have a hunger uh, to be uh, in church, to be the church, uh, not to just come to church. And so as we would unpack the Word, man, I, I had a thirst for it that I just couldn't quench. And as I would read the Word and things would change, man, I was satisfied in a way that nothing ever satisfied me. I was fulfilled in a way that nothing ever fulfilled me. You see, I ran in the world for 10 years hard as you could go. And I wanted anything and everything that I thought would fulfill and satisfy, and yet I was as empty as I'd ever been. But in that room, in that life group, unpacking the Word, being in a community, and watching Dean and his passion for it, man, I was changed. And so this ripple effect continued in my life. I began to open God's Word. I began to, to dive into His Word. I began to, to not be able to get enough of it. And it was pretty soon, Dean, he, he was ready to take it to another level. And, and he asked me, he encouraged me, he uh, mentored me to, to come alongside of him and teach from time to time. And so, again, with, with a consistency and an encouragement and a love, and the only way that Dean can do I found myself there doing just that. Almost 13, 15 years later from being so lost, here I stood in front of people, uh, telling them about the Word of God, opening the Word of God, breaking down Scripture, and, and just loving on people and being in a community with people. And so this began to affect everything about me. This, this began to set a ripple effect that I, I didn't even know was going on at the time. And that's why I'm here today because I, I knew it sitting in that service last Sunday watching that video. You see, not only am I here because of Him and that ripple effect, my marriage is what it is because of it. My children serve the Lord because of it. I'm forever changed from His time and His consistency and His encouragement and His love in a way that I don't know if it could have ever happened any other way. But I'm also here to say today that that ripple effect goes beyond me. That ripple effect doesn't just end with me. The truth is, is I've stood in juvenile shelters and I've preached the Word of God. I've stood in prisons and I've preached the Word of God. And I, for the last five years, have led and taught a life group myself. My prayer is that my life would continue the same ripple effect into the lives of those that I, that I speak to, that I disciple, that I mentor, that I love on.
And I pray in some way, shape, or form that ultimately it flows to each and every one of you and that you could catch hold of this simple truth but powerful, life-changing, life-altering truth um, that we're calling the ripple effect. Be a part of it. Give your life to it. You'll never regret it. Let's give Ryan John's a hand. Ryan, come up here and sit with us. His wife and family are out of town today. Very much a part of what God's doing. The ripple effect of us loving on sheep and finding the lost sheep just starts being extended. I didn't know, but the Holy Spirit set us up a few weeks ago, the week Billy Graham passed away. And that Sunday morning, I got up and shared the ripple effect that came to Billy Graham. Little did I know that God was setting us up for this whole series. But Edward Kimball, a shoe salesman in the mid-1800s, just being faithful to invite people, come sit with me. He invited Dwight, a co-worker. Hey, Dwight, come sit with me at church. And Dwight came and got radically saved, and Dwight Moody touched tens of thousands of lives across America. And the ripple effect continued on down through Billy Sunday, others, down to an evangelist, Mordecai Ham who went to Charlotte and preached. It's, it's a continuum. It's a story of a ripple effect. Started with a shoe salesman. And Mordecai Ham preaches in Charlotte. And a young teenage kid, nicknamed Billy Frank, responds to the altar call. And Billy Graham gets his life radically changed. And preaches to tens of millions of people. In fact, this week I read an article. They estimate his voice was heard to two billion people on planet Earth. Edward Kimball threw a rock in the pond. I want every person that in some way has been touched by these two lives. Teaching life groups. Working in ministry. I want you to come sit on these stands with me right now. This is not pre-planned. They don't know this. If the worship team could come. We're serious about this. There's lost sheep out there. And it's not the will of our Father that any one of them perish. Your son, your daughter. As we've been studying these parables, 
Jesus gave three parables about lost people. There was a lost coin and the woman diligently searched for the coin. The sheep, the shepherd searched for. But watch this, the prodigal, no one went after. There had to be some time for the prodigal son to experience what he experienced in the pig pen and get to a point to where he shook himself. And sometimes the waiting on the Holy Spirit to deal with people is the tough thing for all of us, especially when it's family. But the prodigal son had to get to a point where God was working inside. But I believe the father on the other side of the coin was praying, was interceding, had never given up because he was there looking when that son came down the path. And my friends, the Spirit of God is doing something incredible at Evangel Temple. And around our lives are people. I had a businessman last Saturday tell me, he flew into this city for a business event. He said, my life and my Christian walk has been so radically changed because of one thing. I began to share my faith. I began to talk to people about what Christ has done in my life. And he said, the joy of serving Christ is just bubbling out of my life because I don't meet a stranger. Everybody's got a name. I had a businessman. He said, people told me I ought to leave my business. He said, this is the best pulpit I could ever have is my business because through my business, I'm sharing with people everywhere I go. Every one of us have a pulpit this week. And you can use that pulpit to reach lost sheep. Two men have influenced all these who've gathered here. And I want everyone to stand out on the congregation. How many of you know a lost sheep? That sheep has a name. I want you to ask them this week meaningfully fully to come sit with you next Lord's Day get them here to experience the presence of God with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ maybe you're the lost sheep and someone invited you to come sit with them today know that we have numbers of first-time people here if you've never given your life to Christ what Dean testified to what Ryan testified to what a lot of people testified to being on this platform right now that their lives have been affected maybe you're the shoe salesman Jesus is calling come 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 to a loving Father. Come get in relationship with a church family that we're doing our Christian experience together. Doing life together. Building relationships to win a world to Christ. Come. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, here's the gospel. 
God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cruel, cruel cross. Christ was put in that grave for three days. I stood in that tomb a little over a week ago. And I looked out of the tomb to our 43 that were there. And I said, he's not here. He is risen. He resurrected on the third day so that you can be resurrected from a life of sin, a life of doing your own thing to a life of doing His thing, His will, His purpose. God loves you that much. If you've never accepted the Lord into your life, I want you to move from where you're standing and come to this altar right now. Come meet me at this altar. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to come meet me here right now. I'm not going to be long. If you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, I want our prayer partners to come stand here with me. If you are not born again, I'm asking you to come. It's important. As you take a step of faith, Christ will meet you. Christ will meet you. There's a lost sheep. There's a lost sheep and we're coming after you. In Jesus' name, we're going to love on you. We're going to find you. There's some lost coins we're going to find. There's some prodigals we're going to pray for and believe for. On every person that has a spiritual need of any kind, you need to draw closer to Christ. You, maybe you've failed the Lord in recent days. I want you to come right now. We're going to have a prayer in just a moment. Jennifer's going to sing this song through one time, and then we're going to pray. But if, if you've been struggling with something, Maybe there's an addiction in your life. Maybe there's a, a challenge going on. You're facing a spiritual battle. I want you to come. These prayer partners are here to pray with you. God bless you for coming. God bless you for coming. Listen, don't do Christian life by yourself. Don't try to do this on your own. You need to be in relationship. You need to be a part of the body. Come on, come. Come on, sing it.
special prayer over any part of your life, I invite you to come. If you need prayer for healing, these, these workers and prayer partners are here to anoint with oil, and we believe in praying for the sick. So if you need special prayer for healing, I want you to come. Hallelujah. My challenge to this entire church family is this week, let's find the lost sheep. You'll meet them today at the restaurant. You'll meet them this week. Nothing will infuse your Christian experience more than you sharing with people. You'll just notice a change is happening. As you begin to invite and share, you'll notice the difference in your own personal walk as you begin to share. Every Lord's Day, I like to pray the blessing from Numbers chapter 6 over our congregation. They do this on Shabbat in Israel. They believe in this, I believe in this, and I want everyone in this congregation, everyone online, I want you to lift your hands and write out of Numbers chapter six. Write out of Numbers chapter six, God told Moses, tell Aaron, Moses, this is how you are to bless my people. The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. And the Lord give you peace. You will put my name on your family and I will bless them, saith the Lord. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. You're dismissed in the presence of the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock. Revival Sunday nights.